Greetings and welcome to Mid-South Moments, episode eight. I'm your host, Stephen Guttridge, and this week we'll be looking back over the December 17th, 1983 episode of Mid-South Wrestling. So we join our regular hosts, Boyd Pierce and Bill Watts, and Boyd promises us that this week is going to be one of the greatest cards of all time on television, and it takes an expert to explain it to us. So over to Bill Watts. Watts says that Darso took a deep step last week into Russian dominance. Darso made a commitment he is going to have to live with. They then recap the excellent Jim Ross interview with Darso, where he tells him that he's turned his back on everyone and his country, and then later JYD comes out and tries to reason with Darso before slapping him. Volkov made the save, and they work over JYD until various jobbers come out, and they haven't got the firepower, according to Watts, to make the save, um, so Magnum TA and a Hacksaw Dugan finally do rescue, and the Russians retreat. Boyd is wearing a brown suit with orange tie and orange shirt this week, Sadly, I've seen this look from Boyd before. It works for him, but it's not going to get any more than a 5.5 on the Boyd fashionometer. So, first up tonight is Crusher Darso versus Coco Ware. That's the future Coco Beware. Darso smashes Ware with a big body block and then a backdrop. Watt says that Volkov spends his cash earned from wrestling on Russian war bonds so they can pay to station missiles all over the world. Watts reiterates that Darso is a Benedict Arnold and a man without a country. Darso comes dangerously close to dropping well on his head before winning with his backbreaker in 156. Total squash here, um, there's some USA chants and plenty of mini Stars and Stripes flags at ringside with the people voicing their disapproval over this one. Next up is Mr Wrestling 2 versus one half of the tag team champions, Jim the Anvil Nightheart. So prior to the match, Watts tells us that it's easy to train when the weather is nice and warm, but to be a champion, you have to train in all weathers. We then cut to a video package showing Mr. Wrestling 2's quest for Magnum TA to become a champion. The original Rocky theme blares out again as Magnum is shown pinning opponents with his impressive belly-to-belly slam. Jim Ross reports on a cold, cold day. It's 30 degrees while Magnum does his road work. Mr. Wrestling 2 says, The weather has nothing to do with it. You train whatever the weather is. And it shows Magnum running backwards before turning and sprinting back up a hill. Jim Ross asks Wrestling 2 how long he's actually run for today, and 2 says he's run 5 miles, but soon enough he'll be making him do 10 miles a day. Mr Wrestling 2 then shouts at Magnum to pick those knees up. Um, Thereafter, it cuts to Magnum smashing out some arm curls, moving through the weights, and Mr 2 says, Do you want to be a champion? Do you want to be better than a champion? Mr Wrestling 2 asks. Jim Ross is then the ring announcer for this 10-minute time limit bout between one half of the tag champions and Mr Wrestling 2, Watt says that one time Mr. Wrestling 2 came out of his plane with his mask on late at night and the airport staff wanted to call the police. They just didn't understand. What is this guy doing late at night getting off a plane with a mask on? Doesn't make any sense. However, they saw good old Bill and he explained the situation and they all laughed heartily. Apparently, according to Watts, former President Jimmy Carter once posed for a picture with Wrestling 2 and Watts explains that clearly he's got the respect of everyone all the way up to the White House. He then goes through Nightheart's achievements with a shot put and the anvil throw, and he describes him as a battering ram. Though he's up against the man with the best tendon strength he's ever seen in Mr. Wrestling 2. And apparently Hacksaw, Butch Reed and Nightheart have been discussing a dastardly plan to unmask Mr. Wrestling 2. Watts reiterates that Magnum TA's sole goal is to be able to beat Butch Reed on television, having been humiliated by him twice before. Two hits a big knee before going for another one when Nightheart lifts the referee up and flips him on his back, nearly killing him in the process. Two rolls up Nightheart for the visionary pin until Butchery hits the ring and they take over on two. 
Both of the dastardly heels try to unmask him, and Watts is screaming until Magnum TA finally makes it out to the ring. Magnum takes over with an oh-so-special knee lift that apparently he has now finally been given the gift of, and a belly-to-belly on Nightheart. Two then hits his own knee lift, and somehow, this is all not a DQ, the referee slides back into the ring, and two pins Nightheart in 5 minutes 40. Two and Magnum celebrating the ring to the delight of the crowd um, that for once actually appear to be more awake than they are for most things. Next up, we have the Midnight Express versus Weingroff and Barber. Um, I feel like I've seen this one before. And anyway, we get Jim Ross in ring doing his usual introductions before Jim Connett takes over on the mic. Just come here, Jim Ross. Now let's get to something that somebody cares about. As I said before, I want some silence to respect me as the most successful and the most intelligent manager of professional wrestling. You know how when there's a thunderstorm brewing up and all those dark clouds are rolling in and the wind's whipping up and you know something's going to happen, but you don't know how bad it's going to be. All over the Mid-South for the past couple of weeks, there's been the same kind of sense, the same kind of feeling. You knew something was going to happen. And these are the men who can show you how bad they can be. Loverboy, Dennis, the beautiful Bobby, the Midnight Express. Eaton and Condra are looking so good as always, quick tags in and out, so smooth. Um, and apparently Jim Cornette is going to be on commentary next time up as the Express um, have not been put over enough by Watson Pierce. They've not been doing a good enough job of explaining to the people just how good this tag team is. Um, the Express win with their finishing move, which is now entitled the Midnight Devastation in a total squash in 144. Next up is JYD versus King Carl Fergie. And thereafter, we're going to get the real king of wrestling and the king of Memphis, Jerry Lawler. Another one bites the dust rings out and the crowd are out of their seats and dancing along with a light chart of light chant, easy for me to say, of JYD. And here he is, the North American champion, um, and he's jumped at the bell by Fergie. This is an interesting placement of Fergie because it's clear that he's an absolute, total and utter Jerry Lawler rip-off. Um, and it's interesting that he's put on just before um, the King himself. Uh, according to Watts, Jerry Clower, an MCA music artist, will be here in three weeks' time. And everyone is massively looking forward to that. Um, and JYD has figured out that he needs endurance in wrestling, so he's been training a lot harder. Um, Fergie walks along the middle rope, he tries an elbow drop and he falls off and flops straight down missing JYD. Um, this is so unbelievably bad that I would, would really urge you all to go and watch this match back just to see how much of an awful botch this is. Um, JYD wins with the big thump power slam in 319. Um, thereafter, we actually have a match with Jerry Lawler. Um, he's up against Larry Higgins, um, who, as far as I know, is no relation to former world snooker champion and Moscone Cup 95 hero, Alec Higgins. Um, Watts puts over Lawler, taking out Andy Kaufman, um, and he said that he was apparently really thought it was something because he could whip a bunch of ladies. Um, Watts says that Lawler has dominated wrestling in Memphis, and he's here tonight with Jerry Jarrett, who is a sly old fox of the Memphis area. Lawler is also an artist, in the ring, a recording artist, and also a painting artist as well, apparently excellent with watercolours. Um, Higgins takes a big spill to the outside of a dropkick, and there's a couple of nice hip tosses from Lawler. Um, there, after, Watts says that Mid-South has an exciting announcement coming up next, um, but then instead of it actually coming up next, he just spills the beans and suggests that they're going to have a television champion in Mid-South with a $10,000 tournament being put together by Booker Grizzly Smith. Um, Lawler wins with a great-looking fist drop off the second rope in 2 minutes 46. Thereafter, we have a grudge match of epic proportions. It's Hacksaw Jim Dugan versus Nikolai Volkov. 
Jim Ross states that Volkov wants the Russian national anthem to be played and that people should stand should they desire to. The version they play is so horrific, and I think this is quite deliberate. It really is very offensive on the ears. Um, Dugan attacks Volkov during the anthem, um, and if you, actually, if you really, really think about it, this is a terrible, terrible, terrible show of sportsmanship. However, Jim, um, however, Bill Watts says that he really doesn't blame him for attacking him during the anthem. How is he supposed to put up with the Russian national anthem as American? An American, he just can't do it, so he attacks him. Um, Watts puts over the devastating technique of Russian wrestlers um, and that they don't make many mistakes. And that they don't have a wide repertoire of moves in the heavyweight division, but what they do do, they do well. Dugan lifts Volkov up in the bear hug, but Volkov smashes him back off with punches. Um, they trade back and forth here with a couple of good looking shots. Um, apparently there is no freedom of speech and no freedom of lifestyle in Russia, according to Watts. Um, Dugan hits a mad looking jump, jumping double chop to Volkov as he comes off the ropes um, and then follows up with a really, really bad looking clothesline. Dugan goes for the spear and Volkov jumps out of the way and Dugan hits the floor. Um, and with the ref's back turned, Darso hits Dugan with a back break on the outside before placing him back on the ring apron. Volkov then goes for his ultra stiff looking gorilla press into what is usually a back breaker, but Dugan slips on the way down and gets a knee right in the ribs. Um, Dugan then squirms his way out of the pin. Darza hits the ring and the DQ is called in 4 minutes and 14 seconds. They then double team Dugan until Magnum TA, Mr. Wrestling 2, Lanny Poffer and Joe ID hit the ring to make the save. Um, this is okay while, you last, while it lasted, but you knew you weren't going to get a clean finish here in a million years. Um, last up, we have Rick Rude and Lanny Poffo versus Doug Vines and Tom Lentz. Watt says that he loves wrestling and he loves wrestlers showing heart and no one shows more heart than Hacksaw Jim Dugan. Um, Poffo has a great backflip out of an armbar here um, and Watts informs us that Rude was fourth in the nation in arm wrestling in his weight category apparently. Um, Watts also says that backstage uh, Mr Wrestling 2 chewed out TA for helping, early on his, on helping him early on in his victory over Jim Nightheart as he hadn't realised apparently that Magnum TA was out there even though I think if you watch it back he, he could probably clearly see him as he was standing next to him in the ring. Um, anyway, that's another nice little advancement of that storyline this week, though they've not played on that too much. Um, the match is a bit of a secondary feature here, as Watts puts over the various angles that are ongoing in Mid-South and runs down next week. And apparently Grizzly Smith may try and book the Darso versus Dugan match. He may try and book it, or he will? Not sure. Um, we are very close to television time being up for this week, and Watts re-established that Lanny Poffo wants to make it in a different way to the rest of his family, um, and that Rude is a powerful and good-looking man. There's a big double clothesline on Lentz before Rude hits an awkward flying body press for the win in 4.45. Um, this wasn't a vintage episode of Mid-South Wrestling, but there were a few storyline advancements. Um, so yeah, not great in terms of rewatchable this one, um, but you know, there's a few, few decent moments out there. Anyway, as Christmas is rapidly approaching, this week we'll be playing you out with the excellent cover version of Yazoo's Only You, um, which by the Midnight Pickets, which was the Christmas number one in 1983. Thank you all for listening. I'll be back next week and I shall speak to you again soon. I must say apologies. I've just botched something as badly as Nikolai Volkov botches his finisher every week. Of course, what I meant to say was the song playing us out this week is only you by the flying pickets, not the midnight pickets. Don't know who the midnight pickets are. Perhaps the midnight pickets are a band put together by Dennis Condry and Bobby Eaton on the side where their wrestling characters perform in the tag team, the Midnight Express. Possibly, but unlikely. Thank you all for listening.
Thank you. 